the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You've been blessed beyond measure. And how do you view those material blessings? Do you use them for spiritual gain? Well, that's part of the petition found here in the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. We'll talk about that next on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. That we would enjoy a sufficient portion of material blessings, and by that we mean anything from food and clothing to friends and family. That God would bless our material possessions, that they would be beneficial to our spiritual growth. That God would bless us with contentment with that with which he's blessed us with. And then today, we're looking at the protection that we ask for God for when we pray, give us this day our daily bread that we would be kept to enjoy the material blessings for spiritual gain. We're in Proverbs chapter 30, verses 7 and 9. Join us for this edition of Abounding Grace now. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner. Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. Do you not know, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary and tired? His understanding is unscrutable. He gives strength to the weary. And him who lacks might he increase power. Even youths grow tired and weary. Young men stumble badly. Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Do you see something in all of those passages that God calls us to do? He says... Wait on the Lord. And what did our Westminster fathers in the larger catechism, question 193, say? The way by which we are to receive our daily bread. By waiting upon God's providence from day to day to take care of us as we work hard to take care of ourselves. But what is this waiting? Well, another way that it can be translated is hope. So when we wait on the Lord, we hope in the Lord. We look forward with confidence to God to answer our prayers and fulfill every promise in our lives as we persevere in serving Him and being faithful to Him, trusting His providence to give us our daily bread, but waiting on Him to provide us does not justify laziness, or passivity, or inactivity on our part, as if all we have to do is just sit back and wait and open our arms and have God drop everything right into our laps that we need. As we wait patiently and trusting for God to provide for us in His own time and in His own way, we are to persevere in well-doing. 
As we cast all of our cares upon him, we are to take great care that we are doing what he has commanded us to do in working to provide for ourselves and our families. For the Bible says in 1 Timothy 5.8, if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. So what is it to wait on the Lord? It is to look to Him for our needs. They all come from Him. To be dependent upon Him. To look confidently for Him to provide for us so that we can live for His glory. And in the meanwhile, we are working hard at maintaining our own lives. Knowing that we can't do it without His strength because the Bible says if anyone does not work hard for his own family, especially those of his own household, he has denied the faith. No matter his biblical knowledge, no matter his position in the church, and he is worse than an Islamic infidel. In fact, living in idleness without labor at a vocation, when one is able to work, is being a parasite. It is viewed by God as theft. You see, the choice that God gives you in Ephesians 4.28 is steal or work. But don't steal. Let him who steals steal no longer, but rather let him labor, performing with his own hand what is good, in order that he may have something to share with him who has need. So it defines idleness and not working, even if I'm trusting the Lord to provide for me, but I'm merely sitting around and twiddling my thumbs and praying as stealing. God says, if that is your idea of waiting on me, and you are able to work, and you don't, you should go ahead and just starve to death. If a man does not work, he says, neither should he eat. Rather than being a thief and a parasite, he should labor in his vocation and perform with his own hands what is good. Not only because he is created in the image of God, and God has called him to work just as God is a worker, But God also reflects His image in Him as He works hard. And not only so we can provide for ourselves and our families with our daily bread, but we are to work hard on our calling, it says, so that we can provide other people with the benefits of our labor who are sick or lame and cannot labor. We are to provide daily bread for those who are in need, unable to provide daily bread for themselves. Beloved, do you think of that when you work hard to make your money? I'm going to work hard at my calling because that's what God's called me to do. And I'm going to work hard at my calling in order to take care of my family. And I'm going to work hard at my calling so I can have something to give those who are truly in need. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 verses 10 and 12 say this. For even when we were with you, we used to give you this order. If anyone will not work, neither let him eat. For we hear some among you are leading an undisciplined life, doing no work at all, but acting like busybodies. Now such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to work in quiet fashion and to eat your own bread. Paul says, you got a problem in the church. 
You have these undisciplined people that are not working. They are parasites. They are meddling in the lives of others because they have nothing else to do. And I am exhorting them as God's apostle in the Lord Jesus Christ, get a job. Work in a quiet fashion and eat bread gained by your work of your own hands. Now, why were these people not working? Some probably because they were just lazy. But others, if you read on in Thessalonians, is because of their eschatology. And this shows you how eschatology affects ethics. Doctrine or the lack thereof affects our lives. If you do not correct doctrine, you will misunderstand life. There were people in the church of Thessalonica who believed in an any-minute return of Jesus Christ. At any second, Christ is going to return. So why work? Let's all gather on the top of a mountain and sit and wait for Him and sing Kumbaya. There's no use in expending all the effort to go out and find a job and, and save money. And Let's not forget all the sweat and energy that you have to expend. Let's sit and wait for Jesus. And you know, all those other people working and making money? Well, those who are our brothers and sisters in Christ, they're duty-bound to take care of us. You see, they believed there was no future, so why work? Why save money? Why bother getting a job? Why try to provide for myself and my family? There is no future. We'll just study the Bible and sing praises to God until He returns. How you view the future, beloved, will shape your life here and now. And Paul says, let me tell you where my doctrine will get you. Let me tell you where the theology of the sovereignty of God will get you. If God is sovereign and Jesus is the Savior and you have no hope outside of Him, get a job. Because, beloved, as I have told you in past sermons, He has a lot to accomplish before He returns like making all the nations his footstool. Predestination and post-millennialism are powerful stuff. It is like Paul is saying, quit believing in this any-moment return of Christ that gives you a hopeless attitude toward the future and get a job at a calling and quit eating other people's food. Bear in mind, when we receive daily bread, we are to wait upon God for it and trust Him for it. But as we trust Him to take care of us, we are to work hard at taking care of ourselves. He is the one who gives us the ability to work. He is the one who gives us the motivation and the right attitude. And He's the one who supplies the benefits of our diligent labor. As we work hard at taking care of ourselves and our family, God blesses us and provides for our every need. Then there is a second description of the manner in which we are to receive our daily bread from the Lord. We are to receive the material blessings of life gratefully and as gracious, undeserved gifts from our Father who always, always, always knows what's best for us. Anything we receive from God is a gift of His free and unfettered and sovereign and undeserved mercy and grace. As you have seen, prosperity and poverty are both sent by God to accomplish His purposes as gift in our lives to help us live for Him 
and to keep us from sinning so that those who prosper have no basis whatsoever for pride and self-confidence. And those who are in financial stress have no reason for despair or to be envious for their lives and conditions are in the hands of God. Therefore, we must be content with God's providence and perfect will, for He does all things well. Our Father in heaven knows what is best for us, and there is no passage that teaches it as clearly and as powerfully as Matthew 6, 25 through 33. Turn there with me, if you will, please. This passage tells us how we are to receive God's material blessings gratefully as gifts from our Father, who knows what's best for us. And Matthew 6, 25 through 33 is, is Jesus speaking in the Sermon on the Mount. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor, let, nor yet your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than the meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spend. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that we have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. This beloved section of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount is self-explanatory. It can't be made any more clear or more forceful. The believer in Jesus is not to worry about any aspect of life in this world. Not his health, his strength, his success, his daily bread, what's going to happen to him later today or tomorrow. There is nothing in this world worth worrying about even in these uncertain times. Rather than being consumed with anxieties about food and drink and money and clothing, the Christian trusting God for everything is to be consumed with seeking above all else God's kingdom and God's righteousness. Knowing that as he does every material blessing he needs in this world, God will give him. Listen to Martin Lloyd-Jones. If I am guilty of worrying and in anxious about these matters of food and drink and clothing and about my life in this world and certain things which I lack, if these dominate me in my life, then I am really living and behaving as a heathen. The Christian must live by faith seeking earnestly and intensely and constantly the kingdom of God and the righteousness of God, giving that goal absolute priority over everything else in his life. And assured that as he faithfully pursues God, 
His Father in heaven will give to him whatever he needs to live out this life in this world to glorify him. Here is Lloyd-Jones again. Put God, his glory, and the coming of his kingdom, and your relationship to him, your nearness to him, and your holiness in the central position of your life. And you have God's word through the lips of his son, that all those other things as they are necessary for your well-being in this life and world shall be added unto you. Be unlike the heathen, beloved. Remember that God knows all about you as your Father, and He's watching over you. Therefore, seek to be more like Him and to live your life nearer to Him. You know, if you need to be anxious about anything, be anxious about your spiritual condition, your nearness to God and your relationship to Him. If you put that first, all of the worries will go out of the window. This great concern about your relationship to God will drive out every lesser concern about food and clothing and housing. Let me give you a couple of concluding applications. God blesses His people with every material blessing we need that we might live for His glory. Therefore, beloved, trust Him always. Trust Him for whatever He thinks you need for the welfare and the holiness of your family and for yourself. You know how silly we are? It seems that sometimes, for me at least, and maybe for some of you, that it's easier to trust God for eternal salvation in heaven than to trust Him for my daily bread tomorrow, particularly when the bank account's a little short. Oh, it's easy to trust Him for forgiveness of sins, new life, and to spend an eternity in heaven. But what am I going to do? I've got bills to pay, and I don't have enough money. Beloved, don't even begin to doubt God's willingness and His ability to care for you and provide all your material blessings and physical and financial needs as well as your spiritual needs if you are living for Him. Philippians 4.19 says, My God shall supply all your needs. How many? How much? All your needs according to His riches and glory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Not according to our need, nor according to our merit, but according to His riches that He supplies superabundantly whatever we need to live for Him. Treat God as the God that He is, no matter how big the need, no matter how costly. Trust God for it. Believe that He is able to do it and willing to do it and ask Him for it. Give us this day our daily bread. I trust You for it, Lord. I will come to You, Lord, whatever the need, because I know what a great King You are. The Lord made you a promise in Romans 8.32. He who did not spare his son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not in him freely give us all things? If God has already given us the best gift of all, how could he turn down giving us any other gift to live for the Lord Jesus Christ? So if you are going to trust God for these material blessings, ask him for them. Pray earnestly and sincerely. Give us this day our daily bread. And as you do, Remember what James told us. You have not because you ask not. And you have not because you ask with wrong motives. 
Maybe you're deficient in some area of your life because you haven't asked for it. Maybe it's because you asked with the wrong motives. Well, you ask, what is the right motive? Psalm 115.1 Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto your name. Give glory for your mercy and your faithfulness sake. Lord, I pray that you will give us our daily bread, not to satisfy our appetite, but so we can live the rest of our lives serving you and glorifying you and honoring you and pleasing you, enjoying you forever. In Philippians 4, 6, Paul said this, Don't worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. And then, when God does bless you, beloved, don't base your faith, your hope, your confidence in those material things that He gives you to enjoy. That is gross ingratitude to God. It is your rational idolatry. And if you put your faith your trust in the things that you have, it will be disappointing and unsatisfying for you. It will be like building your house upon the sand. Remember the text we began with, 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. Instruct those who are rich. That's you. Every one of you. If you have more than you need, you are rich. Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasures of a good foundation for the future so they may take hold of that which is life indeed. As God blesses you in these things, beloved. He in, Be intensely thankful to God for all the material blessings you enjoy. Someone said, when men have what they want, they often neglect God. They grow cold and careless in prayer. We pray most earnestly when we're in want, when we are in need, not when we're in wealth. God said in Hosea 13, 16, when they were filled with material blessings, their hearts were exalted, therefore they have forgotten me. We must take care, beloved, that that is not ever said about us. Lastly, if everything is a gift of God's mercy and grace, we must not abuse or misuse material, financial, physical blessings that God bestows upon us. We must never say, well, God's blessed me with this wealth, so I must be doing something right. No, you better check your life. You better take stock on your life and see if the godliness of God is leading you to repentance. Remember what Jesus said in Luke 21, 34? Be on guard that your hearts may not be weighed down with overindulgence and drunkenness and the worries of life, so that day comes on you suddenly like a trap. For it will come on those who dwell on the face of the whole earth, but keep on the alert at all times, praying, in order that you may have strength to escape all these things and to stand before the Son of God. 
That's what it is always, that is what is always on the back of the Christian's mind. I do not want to sin. I want to be able to stand before God without reproach. Lord, help me to not be overindulgent in the things of this world. Give me neither poverty nor riches, so that when I do greet Jesus, He will be pleased with me. And that'll bring us to the end of our time today here on Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Thank you for joining us today. It's our hope and prayer that we've been able to encourage you in Christ and stimulate your walk in Him. To address questions, comments, prayer requests, or concerns, please call or write to us. We'd love to talk with you. 408-866-5607 is our phone number, 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to visit our website. Drop us an email when you do, reformedheritage.org. Real simple, reformedheritage.org. A lot of information there about who we are. We would invite you again to stop by reformedheritage.org. Or if you're writing to us, the address is PMB, Post Mailbox, 402, and the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032. That address can be found on our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, simply call 408-866-5607. Copies of today's program are just $5. Mention today's date and we'll get a CD out to you. And please remember that we are listener-supported, which means when you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this station. It's a great way to study God's Word together, isn't it? And we'd love to continue to do so. Would you prayerfully consider how God might be leading you to partner with us? We'd love to hear from you. Again, won't you call 408-866-5607 or reformedheritage.org. Sunday services, by the way, if you'd like to join us, are two in the afternoon. We're located at Lone Hill Church, 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org. Again, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. Further information can be found again at reformedheritage.org or by calling 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, God bless.